Welcome to the Upside Podcast, powered by Upside Global and hosted by Julian Blinn, founder and CEO of Upside Global. The Upside Podcast is listened to weekly by over 6,000 sports and tech executives from all sports leagues and teams in the United States and around the world. Julian has been developing technologies for professional sports teams for over 10 years and has worked for major tech companies along with sports tech startups. In each episode, Julian interviews global leaders in sports to share knowledge on emerging technology in the sports industry and how these technologies can help improve the performance of individuals and organizations both on and off the playing field. And now here's your host, Julian Blinn. So today we have the honor to interview again, Dr. Ron, the Associate Professor of Sports Marketing at Duquesne University in the School of Business. So as a reminder, Ron also worked for 20 years in sports, including 15 years in the NBA with the uh, Sixers and the Nets, and then five years in the NCAA. So Ron, it's great to have you back again on the show. Thank you, Julian. Thrilled to be with you today. Great. So hey, Ron, uh, thank you. So hey, there's a lot to cover. Uh, first, we're going to talk about the MLB and Otani injury. That was a big blow, I think, for the Angels. And then uh, we'll talk about the, the, the basketball World Cup. Uh, Team USA actually finished fourth in the World Championship. And then we'll talk about the NBA season that's coming up. And then the, the NFL season that just started actually last night. And then, of course, we'll talk about the NCAA and the, you know, some of the disruption in the ACC. And then we'll talk about the PGA Tour. Uh, something that the future of the PGA is uncertain. And then, of course, we'll talk about the U.S. Open. Coco uh, won the U.S. Open uh, this weekend, as well as Djokovic. And then we'll talk about, obviously, Messi and Inter Miami. So how does it sound? Sounds great, Julian. Let's do it. Great. So, hey, the first topic is, and this is more of your domain, right? In the MLB, uh, there was a lot of discussions about where is Otani going to be traded? Well, guess what? He got a big injury. Uh, last month, so uh, now what? What's going to happen, you think, uh, with Otani and the Angels? Well, the injury, needing Tommy John surgery again for the second time on the elbow, that's certainly going to limit him in the open market as far as, as a pitcher. But he's also a tremendous hitter. And uh, yeah. he's still going to sign for a big deal. Logically, at the end of July, it was, hey, we got to, the Angels are thinking we want to definitely resign him and we have a much better chance of resigning him if we keep him to, to October. But the downside was, what if the team goes in the wrong direction? And they were excited because at the same time, Mike Trout was coming back and now he's re injured himself. And uh, my, you know, my, Mike, Mike Trout's career, as great a player as he is, has been just marred by injuries and it's frustrating for everybody. Yeah. But uh, I don't think he'll sign with the Angels now. As a matter of fact, they recently just DFA'd, uh, designated for assignment, a whole bunch of their their star players, some really decent pitchers and some outfielders. And uh, many of them got picked up you know, for minimum wage. So they are definitely having a youth movement. I don't think Otani would want to be part of a youth movement. He wants to win now. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in either Seattle or he ends up in New York or somewhere of that that nature, and even a bigger market or a more prominent team. Probably not the Dodgers, but some some of these other big market teams like the Yankees are struggling. Uh, so that's probably what's going to happen. But you know, this was the risk that they took when they didn't trade him, and they could have got quite a quite a haul in return, but uh, chose not to do it. Now, do you think that Otani will come back and be the same again or no? I think as a hitter, running the bases, uh, yes, he will. Yeah, he'll he'll be he'll be fine. He's just not going to be a pitcher 
within the next uh, 18 months. But I think he could pitch again. Okay, well, that makes sense. I mean, uh, all the best for him, right? Absolutely. So, okay. uh, the next topic, uh, so last month, up until actually last weekend, they had the uh, Basketball World Cup, the World Championship, right? Uh -huh. So everybody was looking at what is Team USA going to do. Steve Kerr was the head coach. And in the end, uh, they finished fourth in the, the World Championship. They lost against Germany, which was really honestly a surprise. Uh, they lost the last game against Canada. And Canada actually had a lot of NBA players on that squad. So uh -huh. uh, were you surprised by this? And why do you think uh, Team USA lost? Well, I mean, they're, they're blaming the fact that they don't get to play together a lot. They uh, kind of just throw these pieces together. And you can do that sometimes in, in baseball. But basketball, it is, it is a group of five out there at the same time. Yeah. And they all have to be on the same page. Uh, the rules are different for the NBA than they are in the uh, FIFA. And, you know, things like goaltending are allowed once the ball hits the rim. Uh, shooting, yeah. the lane is formatted differently. It's wider on the baseline. And shooting, usually we, we want to add more shooters. Uh, and everybody has to defend. And yeah. uh, at times, I think certain players in the NBA take off on the defensive end. And, you know, we talked about that in the green room. So, you know, you got to defend the whole entire game. And um, that doesn't always happen in the NBA. You know, you get yours, I get mine, and we're all, we go home and we're happy. So, yeah, they, they're going to, I wouldn't be stunned if they change the roster. Uh, they've done this before. You remember the late, great uh, Kobe Bryant was part of the Redeem team. And he was, they were playing a top-ranked uh, Spanish team from uh, Spain. And he yeah. just blew through a pick and blew up his teammate, Pal Casal. He told him, I'm going right through his chest. And he did. Yeah. And there's been documentaries on that. So, you know, they, he wanted to know right from the beginning, there's no messing around. Like, this is the real deal. So, yeah, we got we to gotta mix the roster up a little bit. And you gave me the stats, right? How many uh, uh, players in the NBA? Yeah, there's roughly, yeah, there's roughly uh, 450 players in the NBA. And a 100 of them approximately, between 98, 95, and 100, are born outside the United States. So I'm not going to say basketball is the, a world sport quite at the level of a soccer, but uh, it's right up there with cricket and some of the others as being really a global sport more so than ever before. And if NBA ownerships and GMs and them and scouts, they think that they can find talent in other countries, that's where they're going to go. So uh, yeah, it's more global now than ever before. Also, I forgot to mention this, but during the walk, the, the World Championship, one NBA player from the Team USA mentioned, you know, we should not call the NBA title, uh, you know, World Champions, right? Because historically, they've been calling them NBA, you know, NBA champion. And he said, right. look, this is the, NBA, the, the World Championship. We mm -hmm. should not be calling the NBA title the World Championship. Right, right. right? And I thought it was the right comment to make, right? Yeah, we call baseball the World Series. We call it the Little League World Series, but uh, we we don't, uh, you know, we shouldn't say that it was the Basketball World Championship because it's the NBA championship, not the world champion. Right. Yeah. Uh, hey, the, the next topic, uh, it's still related to basketball, but, you know, the NBA season, right, is going to start in October. Uh -huh. uh, um, there's been a couple of trades, right, uh, throughout the season. I know the Miami Heat lost some players, like, for example, Vincent, uh, who went uh -huh. to Lakers and... There were some other trades. I think they're talking also about uh, Luka Doncic maybe signing an $80 million contract a season. 
$80 million a season. Is that so, right? Wow. Yes, that's what I've heard, yes. So uh, what do you think are going to be the favorites for this upcoming NBA season and why? I mean, we can always look backwards and say, well, who did well last year? And you've got your your Heat, uh, Milwaukee Bucks. They'll have some great players, the Celtics. Denver, if they repeat, which is the first time that's happened in a little while, that wouldn't be totally surprising. And Sacramento had a great year last year. They just seem to have some off-the-court problems with some of their guards. But the Lakers have uh, one more year left on Kobe's, uh, excuse me, LeBron James's uh, contract, and he makes about $48 million a year, $49 million a year. So I think they certainly would be in the mix, and they will spend money. But it's too early to tell, you know, who's going to – who's going to do what yet. I think we got to let a couple of weeks of uh, playing the regular season before we make predictions. Yeah. Uh, hey, um, it's still, let's talk continue about basketball, but the NCAA, right? Uh-huh. Uh, I think you've got some comments about the, uh, some of the disruptions as far as the ACC and also some of the college football players, right? Uh, I think at Iowa state were suspended for gambling, right? So should the NCAA, be concerned about gambling at the college level now. If you go back 20 years ago, the idea of actually having a hockey team, uh, a WNBA team, a football team, soon to be a baseball team in Las Vegas, there was always like people would catch their breath going, you know, we're concerned about the gambling issue and things. And with it being so prevalent and the teams are making money off it, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there is some concern, I think, that's growing in the NCAA with what recently just happened. Iowa played at Iowa State this past weekend, and yeah. players for both teams were suspended with the rumors and some allegations of them getting involved in some way, shape, or form with gambling. And in the college, and there's plenty of documentaries written on this, uh, Netflix has one called Bad Sports, which talks about the 94 point guard at Arizona State, in which uh, he thought he was hoping like 90% of them in Division One basketball think you're going to the NBA. He did not. Yeah. But uh, he was definitely not a lock to make a lot of money professionally. But he controlled the ball and he controlled the team and he was the best player on the team. And the bookies got to him. And, you know, we were getting phone calls constantly into the – athletic department at different schools. Hey, who's injured today? Uh, we used to get this in the NBA. Like, who's injured? Is so-and-so going to play? So, uh, and you're like, well, is that determining whether you're going to come to the game or not? And then finally we realized that in our public relations department, that it wasn't that. It, it was like they're thinking about betting the game. You know, and this is 30 years ago. So here we are now where it's so prevalent. It's a little bit of a concern because that starting player in college – uh, that can control a lot of the outcome of the game, he or she might not be a pro. And as a result, they might want to make their money now. And then you've always got the, the, the roommate who doesn't play, but, but knows a couple of people on the street. Like you, you have to be aware of that. And, you know, we got to keep our eye on that in the NCA. Makes sense. Um, so, Hey, uh, another topic I want to discuss with you, and I know you, you've been following the PGA live, uh, uh, future mer- merger, right? So do you remember back in June, the PGA Tour announced a shocking partnership with Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund, uh, uh-huh. the back of the rival, the Leave Golf League, right? So, and then uh, recently, the PGA Tour commissioner, Ray Monahan, said it was certain a definite agreement would be reached 
with the uh, public investment fund. But the right. questions are mounting about the deal completion ahead of the December 31st deadline. So do you think it's going to go through? Do you think the PGA Tour or the future might be uncertain? Or what, what is your take on that? I'm not surprised that uh, the money hasn't been transferred over to the proper bank accounts and all that. They're going to wait till the calendar year till it's over. Yeah. I think it's a the coin. This, this, there may be some complications tapping into that money uh, that they need from Liv. But uh, yeah, there's other rumors that it will, will the Liv try to go after the NBA, the MLB, the NFL, or the NHL. Uh, I don't. I don't. I think that would not happen. I think the owners are too strong and financially secure for that to happen. And then yeah. there's the rumor, hey, what about tennis? Would that be the next logical choice for Lib to go after? Soccer, right? they spending billions, almost close to a billion on soccer players, right, to come to Saudi Arabia. Yes, so. yes. Okay, so that's where they're kind of like hired gun, guns and it's very, um, you know, fragmented. I don't think tennis is unified enough. Yeah, sure, we have the four majors, the Australia Open, French Open, the British, the uh, Wimbledon and the U.S. Open, but yeah. they're all separate entities under their own tent. So yeah. I don't think they're going to succeed in trying to get tennis. You throw enough money at tennis that they'll all bail on it. I don't think that will happen. So I think eventually Liv and PGA will get the money in the right people's hands and the right bank accounts, and they'll probably get it done between now and December 31st. Yes, I hope you're right. Uh, but, you know, which that's a nice segue to tennis um, uh -huh. this weekend, right? So uh, Coco, Coco, Coco Goff uh, won the U.S. Open tennis. Uh, uh -huh. She's only 19. And uh, the last time a 19-year-old won the, the U.S. Open was Serena Williams in 1999. Uh -huh. It was funny that she actually thanked uh, all the people who did not believe in her, which I think was a gutsy move to make. But, you know, that, that's how she is. And that's great for her. Uh, do you think she's the next or the new Serena? That's my first question. And then, of course, Djokovic won the U.S. Open as well on the men's side uh, with his 24th Grand Slam win. Now, the question is, is he, is he the GOAT? Because if you look at right. numbers, it's hard to argue, right? So what's your take on that? So with Coco, it, it's uh, there's an old rap song that says, I want to thank the haters and the doubters because you made the fires burn, right? You made me want to work even harder because you doubted me and you said things about me and um, doubted my talent and my desire. And uh, hey, she stuck it in their face. So good for her. Uh, you, you mentioned yeah. earlier, you know, is she the great going to be the greatest player? But wow, I mean, does she have to be Serena Williams to be successful? I don't think so. I mean, if she She's U.S. born, right? So if she comes in somewhere between Chris Everett and maybe Venus, that that would be great. That'd put her in the top ten yeah. or top twenty of all time. So, you know, I so far so good. Uh, she seems to have the right attitude and definitely has the talent. So she's yeah. on her way. And you know, it's always great when there's, you know, I know you're from France, but we we like when our U.S. tennis players, male and female, yeah. do well in this country. So mm -hmm. as far as uh, the greatest of all time for the men's tennis. Well, he's got the most championships. I remember back in the day when Tiger was at 14 Grand Slams, and they're like, oh, he's easily going to pass Jack uh, Nicholas and, uh, at 18. And guess what? He didn't. So for, for a variable reasons, why a variety of reasons why that happened. So, uh, yeah, statistically, he, he probably is the greatest. Uh, and he's not done yet. So he's got a few more to win, but I don't think 30 is out of the question uh, for him. And that would put him way ahead of everybody else.
Yeah. And if you know, of course, if you're a Rafa fan or a Federer fan, you don't think he's the best or he's the goat, but I think it's just hard to argue with the numbers. I mean, you have to re just realize that, you know, Rafa is not going to be be you know twenty twenty four Grand Slams. Federer is done. So look, I think he's the goat as far as the numbers. Now, um, at some point, we're splitting hairs, right? These are all some of the greatest of all time, and the fact that those three guys' names you mentioned, they all played from basically two thousand to today, like that, yeah. and they those three dominated. Like very few other male tennis players yeah. won any while those three were playing yeah and i think it's good for so medvedev right will also again Djokovic last night say look it'd be great if you could slow down a little bit <laughs> so that we can have some you know we can win too so right i think he will at some point you know the, the other guys will take over right medvedev and akaraz and all those guys eventually uh, eventually but they uh nobody else has in the in the last 20 years yeah uh, hey, the last topic I wanted to cover, of course, we talked about Messi coming to Inter Miami and the mm -hmm. MLS before. So just for the records, right, almost two months ago, Inter Miami was in a very difficult situation in the MLS. Uh, I think they had gone 11 games without a win in the U.S. League, and they were right. on the table. However, when Messi came, everything changed. So since he came on board, right, at Inter Miami, they had gone 12 games unbeaten. They won the League's Cup. They reached the final of the U.S. Open Cup. And they are dreaming of a place in the MLS playoffs. So is reaching the MLS playoff, you know, is it going to be possible, yes or no? I mean, statistically speaking, yes, they can still reach the playoffs, but it's going to be difficult. So the team was not doing well before he got there. And no, terrible. But here's the part that I think a lot of the, the listeners don't understand because I don't fully understand it either. Didn't they recently rent him out? They paid him all this big money, but didn't they get some of their recoup some of their money and send him back to Argentina, which is where he was born and raised, right? Uh, Inter Miami. Yeah, I have they, never heard that. Maybe I missed. I, I, okay, I missed so, it. But he 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 was born in Argentina, correct? Yes, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So there's no threat of that, of him leaving the program at Miami. Uh, no. How many games back are they? How many games are left as far as the playoffs? Like, you, you think they're going to make it? I think statistically speaking, if you look at the number of points, they can they can make it. Uh, I think right now that's the scariest team in the league. And I think all well, the, the other MLS teams are just scared just because Messi is on the field. Even... This weekend, Messi was not playing and they still won. So I right. think he's a boost of confidence. Some guys that, you know, in terms of level and confidence, and those guys, it's like night and, night and days. So Right, right. Um, well, he, uh, if I'm the commissioner of the MLS, man, I want I want that team making it. Right? That's right. <laughs> that would really help if, even if they get the last spot and then they just yeah. take off from there again. Because like we're seeing more highlights of him on ESPN, like yeah. Sports Center, and highlights that we haven't seen from the MLS in a lot of a lot of different years. So yeah, the buzz is definitely there. The excitement. Um, let's get them in and uh, see what I, he can do. I read that he already brought in almost three hundred million dollars in revenue to Apple TV. Wow! Joined. So I signed up for Apple TV because of him. There you go. There you so, go. I want him, like to your point, very good point. I want him to make the playoffs. Right. So, and economically, I think it makes sense for the MLS to do that too. So, you know, no I think, you know, it's going to be hard 
it's going to be hard, but I think they have a very good chance right now. Yeah. So we'll definitely. see. Uh, but look, uh, yeah, we're we at the end of the, the podcast, but I wanted to thank you for your time today. It's always great talking to you. So thank you. Yes, you too. Can we speak briefly about the NCA and some of the movement in the, in the PAC 12? Yes, so please. The, the PAC 12 is blown up and uh, there's a lesson to be learned out here. When you know something's going to go down, then uh, get get the first uh, flight out. So UCLA and USC left to go to the Big Ten. They were two flagship universities in athletics and academics. They were joined. It, uh, the Big Ten would like to invite uh, Oregon and and uh, the University of Washington. So you're getting Phil Knight's money with Nike and Eugene, Oregon, and you're getting uh, the University of Washington in the beautiful downtown Seattle. Yeah. Other things were raided. Arizona, Arizona State left, and they are going to join the uh, Big 12, which seems to be a little bit na- of a natural fit with Utah and Colorado coming. Utah, uh, Colorado's coming back to the Big 12. So they added those four. And Cal and Stanford, kind of neighbors in California, stuck like, okay, what happens to us? They joined. SMU Southern Methodist from downtown uh, Dallas, Texas, and they joined and they're currently a member of the AAC. They're joining the uh, ACC, as you mentioned, right? So who's that leave? That leaves Oregon State and Washington State with no home. Do they join the Mountain West, the Big West? Where do they go? Well, they recently did a lawsuit where they're trying to block these their their colleagues, their other universities in the Pac-12 from leaving July 1st of 2024, and all this is supposed to transpire. So it's getting ugly in the Pac-12. Uh, I don't. It's dissolving, and there was only so many parachutes to go around, and UCLA and USC grabbed theirs first, and then Oregon and University of Washington followed. And then you got a school like UConn, who has big-time football. They're going to join the Big East and then have UConn be an independent, very similar for football, very similar to what Notre Dame does. So all this movement and, and who, who's going to be where, you know, these schools are so many miles apart. And, you know, people talk about how does this affect football? How does this affect men's basketball? It doesn't really because they will charter everywhere. This yeah. affects, affects the people we call the Olympic sports, you know, both soccers, softball, baseball, volleyball, track and field, all the other sports where we don't have money in the budget to Learjet people in and Learjet people home in, in an expensive charter. So uh, those students are going to miss a lot of class. And uh, maybe they should play regional regional teams and not have to, to fly from Rutgers or Mar- in Maryland all the way out to uh, Washington and Oregon and California to play. So this, this is something that uh, isn't going away. And uh, Hey, there's 35 co- conferences, roughly every single one of them has had movement except the Ivy league. The ancient, the ancient eight stay because they stress academics and they don't have movement. Everybody else does. So that's the thing. Okay. And before we wrap up the, the podcast, I also wanted to ask your take on the NFL season. Mm-hmm. Right. The NFL just started last night. I was watching the game between the Giants and the Cowboys, and oh boy, I just felt bad for the Giants. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so I think you're going to have to reset because either the, the Cowboys are really, really good, which I think they are. Uh, so what, what is your take on the NFL season and what are the favorites right now? 
obviously it's way too soon to to to, to talk about it but it, in the nfc i'd say the eagles and now maybe the cowboys a little bit uh, and the 49ers look like the, the top teams, maybe Minnesota, but then they lost. So yeah. the central NFC looks weak, but the uh, the real power, I'd say eight of the top 10, 12 teams are definitely in the AFC. The American Football Conference is significantly better than the National Football Conference. And uh, it is really going to be difficult to make the playoffs in the AFC, and it should be a little easier in the NFC. Okay. And I'm sure you saw the, the return of Tom Brady, right, for the New England Patriots. And he was doing his warm-up like he always does, and yes. he gets a nice, a nice talk to the Kraft family and the fans. And that was, I think it was a nice gesture. So, Oh, yeah. I mean, they kissed and made up, and he and Belichick seemed to be fine. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he'll be forever a Patriot, right? I mean, he... <laughs> One of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest. But yeah, that was good. And it was nice against the Eagles because my Eagles beat him in the Super Bowl when he was playing for the Patriots. So yeah, they beat him again. <laughs> yeah. So look, we, we had the end of the podcast, but as always, great catching up with you. And so thank you. You too, Julian. Thank you. Great to be with you. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To access past episodes and other research, articles, and analysis of sports technology, please visit our website, theupside.us. Subscribe to the Upside newsletter and receive full access to our sports tech business letter and website. Royalty-free music is provided by ibaudio.com. The Upside podcast provides timely insights and interviews with global leaders in sports technology. Until next time, keep looking to the Upside.